Heavenly Father, we are um, just astonished and amazed uh, at, at your grace, Lord, that, um, that we, uh, we have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Lord, you use the foolish things of the world. Uh, you gift us, you call us, all that you do for us, in us, through us, Lord. I just pray over top of all the prayers and, and along with all the prayers for um, the graduates, for the, the young guys, and, and for Nathaniel as well, Lord, that, um, that we would keep the, the first things first in all of our lives, Lord. Wherever we go, whatever we do, that we would seek first the kingdom of God and recognize that everything else is secondary and is provided for us by you. Lord, I pray for the time in your word this morning that it would be fruitful, uh, that it would be blessed, uh, that it would be meaningful and convicting and all of the things you've meant it to be, Lord, comforting and, and, and wherever we are this morning, whatever we need, Lord, you know it already. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So I know we didn't get Bibles handed out to everybody, so let's do that. Uh, John 15 is where we're going to be. If you need a Bible, just raise your hand. Bibles will come from the back. John 15 is where we're going to be uh, this morning. You know, we, we have our Bibles open there. Let's get there. Again, if you, did, if you didn't get a Bible, just hand up real quickly and we'll get you a Bible. Make sure your cell phones are turned off. <clears throat> Madeline and Kaylin's family, uh, well, her mother and father and myself, I mean, we've known each other for a long time, a uh, number of years, been in ministry together. And now to see them graduating in college and my own children up here. And uh, man, time just goes, doesn't it? And all of the, the yeah, I like to listen to, to graduating speeches, to commencement speeches. Uh, J.K. Rowling did a speech, I think, at Harvard that was very interesting and funny. And, and occasionally you get those messages that, that you, know, you get on, on an email or Somebody sends to you, oh, listen to this commencement speech or listen to this snippet. And there's some really funny ones. And most of them have a lot of the similar themes. You can do it. You know, don't be shy. Don't be afraid to fail. You have a lot of potential. You know, do your best. And, and a lot of those same themes resonate uh, throughout a lot of the commencement speeches. And most, I don't even know who spoke at my commencement, let alone what they said. But in a sense, we've got, uh, I guess, if you want to look at it that way, in John chapter 14, we begin this, not a commencement speech, but the disciples are in a way graduating from one phase of ministry, going into the next. They're going into something that's uncertain for them. Uh, Jesus said to them, I'm going to be with the Father. I'm no longer going to be with you guys. Uh, and, and they were very troubled by this and very worried about it. And it's interesting that Jesus doesn't give them in these next, in the three chapters we're looking at, 14, 15, 16 and then on to 17 where he prays for them but he doesn't tell them how to plant churches he doesn't tell them how to write three-point sermons he doesn't give them church growth information he tells them trust me he tells them obey me he tells them i'll be with you i'm sending you the holy spirit and whatever I've, the great works that I've done, you're going to do greater things. Very commencement-like, right? You're going to do greater things than we've ever done. Isn't that what we hope for our kids? That they would do greater things than we've ever done? And Jesus says, because I go to the Father, I'm sending you the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit. And you'll do greater things, more things, 
than I've ever done individually and personally. And then in this section in chapter 15 that we're coming up to, uh, that we'll be looking at today, from a graduation standpoint, a fairly stunning statement that is made. If you were to make this statement at a, at a graduation speech, I think there would be a gasp across the whole audience there. Um, but he tells them something very important because the question they would be asking is, how, how do we continue on? How do we produce anything? I mean, we've become sort of dependent. You're the guy that does the thing, and we stand around, and, and we watch, and we fail, and you, you rescue us. And, and he tells them about abiding in him. In this chapter 15, six times we have the word fruit. And a number of times, I think it's ten, but you'll have to count it up yourself, the word abide. So abiding and fruitfulness are connected in this passage. But the stunning statement that we'll get to as we go on is there. I'll give you a preview. Look down in chapter 15 at verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. There's a graduation speech for you. Hey, graduates, have a great time, but without Christ, you can do nothing. You can advance your education. You can get all kinds of degrees. You can go great places and sit on top of corporations. But God's estimation is without me, you can do nothing. So that's, that, there's the graduation speech in, in a nutshell. Graduates, those that stood up here, those that graduated from and, and, and us as adults sitting in here, there's the... There's one way that humans look at things, and there's another way that God looks at things. And, and God's word that you will remember, because the Holy Spirit promised to bring it to your remembrance, remember this when you go out and you start getting jobs and you start doing things and you start forming a life. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. So let's start back at chapter 15, verse 1. Just a little preview there. In, in chapter 15, verse 1, uh, Warren took us through up to the end of 14. Last week, we ended with, arise, let us go from here, uh, following the Lord's Supper. Jesus is now teaching them, preparing them for their future. Things are going to be different. He says, I'm not going to leave you orphans. Uh, I'm going to fill you with the Spirit. Uh, and, and now they, they head out from that place. It's evening time. It's nighttime. And they leave the temple grounds. And they, they're heading to the Garden of Gethsemane. And along the way, Jesus is such a great teacher. He's always able to use a contemporary example to teach a spiritual truth. So he, he says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. So no doubt that illustration is spurred on by something that they saw. Now many would say that it could have been in the temple. There were a lot of, you know, the, the vine, the grapevine, was a picture of Israel. And still is to this day, Israel has pictured a number of things, but one of those things being a grapevine, a grapevine fruitfulness. And so uh, there's, in the temple area, there are, are places where there are symbols of the grapevine. And so it could have been that Jesus was pointing to one of those. Could have been heading out to the Garden of Gethsemane, not just olive groves, but also vineyards as well. Could have been there uh, that he sought. Doesn't really matter where. The point is, he can say to them, you see that vineyard, or you see that picture of a vine, I'm going to teach you something new about that. Because to them, the vine would have been Israel, their nation. And Jesus says to them, I 
am, and this is one of the I am statements of the Gospel of John. There's seven of them. This is one of the I am statements. He says, I am, he doesn't just say the vine. He says, I'm the true vine. True meaning genuine. I'm the real deal. And, and he says, and my father is the vine dresser. So what is the vine? And the vine is the thing that gives life to, and he's going to go on to say, and you're the branches. So you have this, this central trunk that's rooted, and from that stems the branches that bear the fruit. And it's the branches that the branches will learn have no life in themselves. And you can tell that because if you cut one off, it dies. The branch gets its life from the vine. So the vine is the life-giving portion of the, of the plant. And I like this because Jesus says, I'm the true vine. And a lot of people find a lot of false vines. They try to suck life from anything they can. Try to suck life from your job or from relationships. You know, my spouse is not the vine. My kids, parents, listen, your kids are not the vine. You can't live off of their success. Your job is not the vine. Your religion is not the vine. Religious routine is not the true vine. Because, see, what happens with a false vine, instead of you sucking life from it, it sucks life from you. It's an opposite thing. And, you know, you guys have electronic gadgets like I do. I was trying to think, how can I make this contemporary? I couldn't think of a a real good way, but as I sat down with my computer, I had like 16 things I got to plug in every night before I go to bed. Are you like that? I got an iPod, a phone, a computer. I got to plug all this stuff in. Because if I wake up in the morning and it doesn't have any power, it's dead. It's useless. I can't use it. it I can hammer a nail with it maybe with my Apple computer. You know, bam, bam. It'll work for that, but not how it's designed to work. Right? So without being connected to the source of life, so to speak, that power source, then that thing, that appliance, I wanted to bring in a power strip. You know, I am the vine. Here's the power strip. And here's all the branches, the things plugged into that that all derive their life, so to speak, from that main source. Huge truth. I'm the vine, and this is comforting. My father is the vine dresser or the gardener, the one who's responsible for making sure that the, the branches, the fruit, stays healthy. Now, I'm glad that it doesn't say, and your pastor is the vine dresser, because I have no green thumb. We, just, we have these, huge, these three huge fig trees at our house, big bushes, but they grew to like, I don't know, 14, 15 feet tall, and so all the figs were up there. We couldn't reach them. I had to try to get in there with a ladder. And so, and I said, I don't know anything about pruning fig trees, and so I tried to Google it. I do what every pastor does, or every person. We Google it, right? So I Google it, and, and nothing, I couldn't understand it. So we just got out the, the loppers and started hacking away. So now we're like, all right, let's see what happens. It's an experiment now. Let's see what happens. Did we kill them, or will, will it be helpful to them? See, because... I'm, no, I'm not an expert vine dresser. I'm not an expert gardener. I'm an experimenter. And, and if you over prune, you can kill the tree. But Jesus said, and my father is the vine dresser. He is the perfect gardener. He knows exactly what needs to stay, exactly what needs to go. And if you read Isaiah 5, if you want to make a cross-reference, Isaiah 5 is a great, great cross-reference for this. Because uh, Isaiah is talking about the nation of Israel as a, as a vineyard. And God says, uh, didn't I, I did everything. I cleared the land. I got the choicest vine. I, I did everything to make sure 
and to guarantee good fruit. And what did I get? I got wild grapes. And so I have to destroy the vineyard. It's no good. And what a great passage to cross-reference with this. Because there, the, the, the vine dresser, the owner of the vineyard, did everything possible to ensure good fruit. So if there's ever, you know, the, the question for our lives, the question for your life, the question for those that are graduating, is do you care? I mean, this is about fruitfulness for God. Is that what you want? Do you want to be rich, famous, those things? Is that what, you're, is that what you think life's about? Because to say, apart from me, you can do nothing, I mean, that's huge. And I, the question is, do you care about being fruitful? So if I asked you the question, if we sat down across the table for a cup of coffee with each other, and I said, hey, is your life fruitful? How would you answer that? And then what would you base your answer on? Would you say, oh, yes, my life is fruitful. I just got a raise. Making more money. Just took a more fruitful position at work. Yes, it's cost me more time. I don't have time for the things I used to, but boy, I'm, I'm really, I'm doing well. I'm advancing. And is that fruitful? Good questions to ask. My father is the vine dresser. I'm the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Where does that leave me? Verse 2 says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. So we're talking a lot about fruit. Let's talk about this first. What is fruit? I mean, does it, fruit is, not, is, is a byproduct, right? Fruit is something that happens. Do, do trees work to produce fruit? I mean, do you hear, do you ever see, I've never seen a tree sweat or worry. I don't know, you know, lean over to the apple tree. Am I as fruitful? I'm not as fruitful as that tree over there. I better get my act together. You know, I, I don't see trees worrying about fruitfulness. They're tree, tree, a, a, a branch, the fruit on it is a byproduct of a relationship, right? And that's what Jesus is trying to say. Fruit, now we read about in Galatians the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience. Let me slow down. Love, joy, peace, patience. Now you're saying, can you get all nine? (laughs) Now I lost my place. (laughs) Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, Goodness, self-control. I think that's all of them. I have it on a plaque in the bathroom. (laughs) Are those things yours? I mean, fruit is singular. It's not like, well, I I need more patience, so I need more of God. No, it's it's one. It's it's all encapsulated. If you have the if you have the Holy Spirit working in your life, these are all things that you will see. It's not like, well, I need God for more patience. Or I need God, I, I like to compartmentalize God. No, you have one God, one spirit, and he produces these things in your life. So that's fruit. Fruit, I think, are, are, are good works, the things that you do because of that relationship. Now, so many of us want to pray, Lord, here's what I want to do, bless it. We want to be God. Lord, here's my plan for my life. Here's my five-year plan. Here's my 10-year plan. I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to live here. We get that job, get that advancement, and then, Lord, bless it. Amen. In Jesus' name. We'll talk about prayer as we, if we ever get through this passage. I'm... So fruit, something that is produced based on a relationship 
the branch is, of course, something that, that comes out of, it's connected to the vine. That's what it's supposed to be. Now, there's a lot of discussion about this word takes away. You know, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And people go, uh-oh, you know, I just answered that question. Well, I'm not really fruitful, so does that mean I, my life is in jeopardy? Is my salvation in jeopardy? Uh, and there's a lot of discussion about that because the word takes away has a couple of ways it can be translated depending on the, on the context. It can also be translated lifts up. So if you like to circle, you can circle takes away and right next to it lifts up. And based on the uh, gardening, the vine dressing practices of the day, it's likely that that may have been a better translation. That uh, they would let the, the, the branches grow along the ground. Not necessarily all trellised like we see today. So the branch would grow along the ground and if it wasn't, a, it wasn't bearing fruit, they would lift it up and trellis it to give it more air circulation, to give it more opportunity to bear fruit. So that's quite possible. That's what all take place in the spring. Not just the, the lifting up of the, of the vines. And these things would get huge. No fruit, a lot of leaves and things like that, but not necessarily any fruit. Well, the vine dresser would lift it up, care for that branch so that it could bear fruit. And those that are bearing fruit, he prunes, or the word for, for cleanses. Now, imagine if you, could be the, if you could give the tree personality, and here comes the, the vine dresser with the, the big loppers, you know. Oh, no, he's, he's you know, pointing, look at him. He's the one that needs help, not me. Leave me alone. Don't prune anything in me. Don't clean anything out of my life. You ever said that to God? You know, God, I'll do that. You know, that was what I said to God. I said, God, I, you know, I started out teaching Bible studies. I didn't know nothing from nothing, but I, I just got excited about Bible teaching. So I'm like a nobody from nowhere, but I'm going to start a Bible study. And, uh, and that's what I did. And I just remember, you know, going through that process of, of pruning and God, you know, realizing that, that there's things that I want to do. But there's things that also, you know, I said, God, I'll do anything you want. I'll teach Bible studies until I, till I grow old and die. But don't, Lord, please don't make me a pastor. That was my prayer. That was my prayer. I'll do anything, but don't touch, the, don't touch these, see, don't touch the areas of my life where I find my identity. Don't touch those things. See, they're not necessarily bad things. You know, and I'm praying with the Lord now about some things in my own life. It's not that it's bad. Paul said all things are lawful, but not all things are beneficial. All things are lawful, but not all things edify. And so there's some things that maybe they're lawful for you. Maybe you could do them, but maybe they're keeping you from fruitfulness in your life. Maybe they're a hindrance. Maybe they're a distraction. And you say, oh, Lord, don't. And you would never... You would never cut that out of your life. You would never, and, but the Lord comes in and he's so gentle. God is so gentle. He's such a gentle vine dresser. And he begins to prune away things. And you go, oh, it's going to hurt if I don't have that thing. Oh, how can I live without that thing? You watch what happens. You'll bear more fruit. And if that's what you want, that's a good thing. Pruning is a good thing. Because that makes that fruit better, bigger, more luscious. So every branch in me that does bear fruit, he prunes. Why? Because he wants more fruit. And maybe you're in a place today where you say, you know, enough's enough. I'm doing, I got my things, I got my life compartmentalized, I got, you know, enough of this and enough of that. I got enough church. I go at least once a week. Sometimes I even go Wednesday night 
I mean, I know that's out, the, out of the ballpark. That's ridiculous. But I, know I do it, and I even read my Bible occasionally. And I think that's enough. I'm going to draw the line there. And are, are you one that is complacent or settles and says, oh, that's it. It's enough for me. And when the, you imagine if trees could run from the vine dresser. Imagine if when you saw the vine, you could run away. Help. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. That's the goal. You are already clean. And that word clean is the same root word as prunes because he, he's, he's taking that, that branch and he's sort of cleaning it up of the things that, that will get in the way or hinder greater fruit production. He says, look, you're already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. They had, they had heard Jesus. They believed him. Uh, this wasn't a matter of salvation for them. He's talking to them about fruitfulness in the future. So they're already clean because of the word which, which Jesus had spoken to them. They believed it. They trusted him. And now he says in verse 4, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Abide in me. And that word abide just simply means to settle down and make yourself at home. It doesn't mean hey, I'm not sure if I believe, I'm not sure what to think. And there's some people that their whole life, well, I don't, how can I trust? I don't know if I could trust. And you, for years you'll live in this vacillating place. Like uh, Elijah spoke to the, to, to the nation of Israel, how long will you vacillate between two opinions? If God is God, then serve him. And if not, then don't. But we spend all of our lives going, oh, I'm afraid. I'll, I was telling somebody the other day, they were commenting on, as you came in the driveway, you saw the fence that we're building out there along the driveway for dust protection for the neighbors there. And it's half built now, but we're building it. I told somebody the other day, we're building it because we need a, a new place for some people to sit on the fence. <laughs> we're going to put a TV monitor out there and sound system, and you can sit on the fence out there and decide what you want to do. But you'll never see fruitfulness. You'll never see life in the place of indecision or uncertainty. And I think the exhortation for the disciples is, look, I'm going away from here. There's going to be challenges. There's going to be, I mean, he's going to be crucified. And they're going to be like, you know, what is going on? And he's telling them beforehand, don't run. Abide. Remain with me. Stay with me. Stay the course. Stay the course. Abide. Settle down with me. Be at home in this life. Be at home in your Christian life. Be at home in your relationship with the Lord. Settle down there and live it. And if you're uncertain, get to the, do what you got to do to get certain one way or the other. It's a terribly cold and lukewarm place. Uh, that just was a... That didn't go together. Cold and lukewarm. Those can't go together. It's a terribly lukewarm place. And Jesus said to the, in the book of Revelations, be hot or cold. If you're lukewarm, I'll vomit you out. He says to the disciples, abide in me. And not just that, but I in you. It's a relationship. Just like the, the vine and the branches. That branch, if it's, dis, if it's long as it's connected to that vine, it's good. It's in good shape. But if it's not, he says, look, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So that branch, you cut it off, 
You put it over there. Is it going to bear fruit? Can't. It's going to die. Why? Because it's disconnected. And again, Jesus says, verse 5, I am the vine. And you are the branches. This, we want to make sure we don't get that backwards, right? That we're the vine and he's the branches. Lord, we're, and the church needs to hear this today, don't you think? The denominationalism needs to hear that. Bylaws aren't the vine. You know, Jesus is the vine. Life comes from him. But sometimes we get it confused that somehow I'm the vine. I'm the one that life comes from. And we make the decisions. And we call the shots. And we tell Jesus what he's going to do and what he's not going to do. Oh, I long to make sure that the Spirit of God is in control of this church, of us as people. That we get it straight, that He determines what we do and how we live, not us. But we live in a world where it's, the, the, you know, this is happening, where people, well, we're not sure that, we, that that's true. We're going to be the vine. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. That's a definitive statement, isn't it? That's like, there's no, that's a clarifying statement. It's true. The person, look, if you're looking at your life and you're here this morning, you're like, oh man, this is killing me this morning. This is really convicting. Then there's hope. Because the answer, you know, for, for counseling I do, the first place I start, how's your personal devotional life? Oh, not so good. Well, where do you go from there? I mean, I, I, I think I told you, uh, some time ago about I was entered into some marriage counseling with someone as the woman had come to meet with me and started to ask questions about it and about her life and her devotional life and so she's struggling in her marriage and she's telling me about the last episode of Desperate Housewives and I'm thinking that's probably not good for your marriage to watch Desperate Housewives Facebook and all these things so as I start to investigate without fail no time in fellowship, no time in the Word. I have, I have yet to meet someone who is both spending time in fellowship and time in the Word that has been unfruitful. Matter of fact, let me read something to you. This is from Second Peter chapter 1. Just in case any of you are going, I'm not sure if I'm fruitful. There, it's, Peter says to the, to the people he's writing to in Second Peter chapter 1 verse 5, he says, for this very reason giving all diligence, add to your faith. So being diligent to add to your faith. I mean, we like to add to our portfolio, add to our bank account, add to our activities. We add, but are you adding to your faith? Add to your faith virtue, moral virtue. Virtue to virtue, knowledge. To knowledge, self-control. To self-control, perseverance. To perseverance, godliness. To godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, love adding these things to your faith. And this is what he says, for if these things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Some people know a lot, it's all above the neck. That's where all, and so you're unfruitful because it's all head knowledge, but it never gets any deeper than that. Because you can be barren in your knowledge of Jesus. A lot of people know a lot of stuff about Jesus but it never produces anything in their life. But the person who truly has an abiding, a dwelling relationship with Jesus, and, and you know how that is. If you have it, you know it. Then it, it, you will bear, you can't help but bear fruit. And then he says those, those 
slamming words. I mean, not, not in a negative sense, but he says, for without me, you can do nothing. And I don't think any graduate sets out to do nothing. Well, maybe some do, at least for a couple of years. I just want to do nothing now, you know, gap year. I want to do something. At my funeral, I, I, or if I, if I find myself sick or, or terminal, I don't want to think, what have I done with my life? I mean, you know, these kids are getting older. The time is passing quickly, isn't it? And it seems to be, is it, is this me? Is it passing faster than it used to? Is the, are things speed, is like a year now only 300 days or something like that? It's faster than it used to be. And before you know it, you know, and I don't want to, I don't want you to look back and say, I didn't know. I didn't, because Socrates said, beware the barrenness of a busy life. We are all busy. How are you doing? I'm busy. Crazy busy. I'm so busy. When I was a kid, see, we had it more accurate. When I was a kid, we'd say, I'd call up my friend, what do you want to do? Nothing. <laughs> what, what are you doing? Nothing. See, they had it right. They knew, right? They do, what am I, want to do something? I don't know. <laughs> Those were the good old days. <laughs> <laughs> But I don't want to look back and find all the busyness, all the busyness that it amounted to nothing. And it's interesting to look at things through God's economy versus our own. You know, Paul in 1 Corinthians 13 says you, you, can, you can have all faith and speak in the, the tongues of men and angels. You can have all these things. You can give your body to be burned. But if you have lo- not love, it is nothing. And there's even a part where he says, and I am nothing. And I want to be something. And I want to do something. And a branch is, has one purpose. Many commentators have shared the fact that with, with uh, grapevine wood, you can't build great, you know, you can't build a sanctuary out of grapevine wood. You don't use it for building tables or furniture. You can't even use it for a fire. It doesn't burn very well. It's got one purpose, and that's to bear fruit. And that is your soul you were created in the image of God to do one thing, and that is to bear fruit for him. Now, that doesn't mean you all have to quit your jobs and, and become pastors. But that means whatever you do, you do it under the Lord. You do it with his heart. You do it with, with, for his glory. So you can, be, you, you can be the CEO of a, a fantastic corporation, or you can, you can sort trash. doesn't matter. Either place, you can bear fruit. You can be fruitful to God wherever you are. For without me, he says, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. So again, a a picture of, uh, some would say then this is a picture of judgment. Um, The end of the season, the, the branches that were obviously clearly dead or unfruitful, uh, you know, be, people uh, really wrestle over some of these verses. And I think it's pretty clear biblically that one of the, the demonstrations of a, of a viable relationship with Christ, a connection to Christ, is fruit. It may be just a little bit of fruit. You know, don't be, don't be comparing fruit with each other. You know, I bear more fruit than that guy. My fruit's better than his. Everybody's in a different place. Everybody's on a different stage in their walk with the Lord. 
So I'm just glad for like, you know, we have some trees in, in, at the house that's like one little piece of fruit. And I'm so thankful for that little piece of fruit. Like, oh, look, honey, a piece of fruit on that tree. One piece is, you know, because so many of people were, were planting seeds to ungodliness in their lives. To actually see any godly fruit is a miracle at all. Because your whole rest of your life has been spent bearing ungodly fruit. And so to start to see a different fruit in your life, something new from a new relationship with God is fantastic. But, you know, the, again, it comes down to are you not, do you, is your church name on the church roll? Not do you, are you part of a denomination? How do you identify yourself? I, I am connected to Christ, period. Verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified. By what? That you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. You want to give God glory? Then bear a lot of fruit. Be really fruitful. Let him prune you. Stay connected. I mean, it's a simple equation, isn't it? There's, there's no... That's what I love about the Word of God. It's so simple. Too simple sometimes. Too simple. We miss it. You stay connected to Christ. And, you know, people, well, what, does this say anything about the security of the believer? You know, the eternal security. I don't know much about that stuff, but here's what I know. As long as I'm abiding in the vine, then I'll be fine. And it rhymes, too, so you can remember it. As long as I'm abiding in the vine, I got nothing to worry about. Because God will take care of producing fruit in my life. He'll take care of pruning me. I just say, Lord, be gentle, please. But it does say a word about prayer, and then we'll close. If you're abiding in me, he says, and, and my words. See, so part of him abiding in us, Colossians chapter 1 says the same thing. Paul said, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. So part of Christ abiding in us is through the Holy Spirit, but also through His Word abiding in us. You know. But if my words abide in you, then, that's the, the, the second part, we like to skip to just, well, the Bible says you can ask for whatever you want, and it'll be done for you. Well, first it says, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you. If you're a person that knows Christ intimately, then you will know what to pray for and how to pray. You'll know His Word. Your, your prayers will, will be... God-directed, spirit-directed, and not selfishly directed. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, then you'll ask what you desire. How many of you, did God change your desires? Did God change the things you were interested in? Like before it used to be, oh Lord, I want this, I want that. And, and somehow along the way, even the things you wanted and cared about changed. That's what happened in my life. I used to want these things over here, but because of Christ, the things I was interested in, the things that I desired changed. Delight yourself in the Lord, the psalmist says, and he will give you the desires of your heart. He'll put them there. He'll, he'll, he'll change what you're interested in. You'll ask what you desire and it'll be done for you. And man, when that happens, when you're praying in accordance with God's will and you're, you're walking in the Spirit and you're close to the Lord and you're connected, some of you are like a vine that's sort of, you're hanging on by a thread. And there's just a little bit of life getting through. And I want to encourage you. Be in. Be in. And then it'll, what, a, what a change it'll make in your prayer life. 
You know, if you think, oh, I just don't ever see my prayers get answered. I just don't feel like I have any power in prayer. Well, the first place to look would be, are you abiding in Christ? Is his word abiding in you? And then again, ultimately, this is what gives God glory. So, you know, uh, we'll close with that. And uh, I'm going to invite Phil and the praise team up. And, and uh, tough commencement speech, isn't it? You know? You know, I, there's a lot of people that do stuff apart from Christ, aren't there? I mean, people win gold medals at the Olympics apart from Christ. People start giant corporations apart from Christ. People invent iPhones and iPads and all these things, and that can all be done apart from Christ. So it's not that you can't take that verse super literally, and that because people do stuff, and you do stuff, and I do stuff. The question is, does it matter? You know, I, I, I'm into riding a bicycle. Like I like to ride. I like to ride fast. I don't know why. I'm not typically a speed guy, but I just enjoy it. And I've always enjoyed athletics. And I just find the Lord challenging me. Like he, the Lord asked me a simple. Does the Lord ask you questions? There's one question the Lord asks me over and over when I'm sort of thinking in my mind about something I'm doing. God says, "So what?" That's Lord. I mean, so what? I'm riding fast. So what? Uh, well, I'm not sure. Lord, I can hit a baseball really far. So what? I can do, Lord, I can do this. So what? And, and sometimes it comes down to, you know, it's not about riding the bike or hitting the ball. It's about loving my neighbor. It's about noticing things. It's about noticing people. It's about the Lord saying, look at that kid who's sitting all by himself on the bench. My dad taught me a huge lesson playing baseball. Um, it's a guy, and I, I don't know if he, maybe he'll hear this someday, hear this on the tape or something. His name was Joe Schlimmer. Joe was a kid that was a lot of pressure by his parents, a lot of pressure on him by his father to succeed. Now, none of us would ever pressure our kids to do that. It's just a unique thing. See, there's nothing really new. This is, I'm not going to tell you how long ago that was. But it's Little League season, and Joe was on our baseball team. My dad was the coach, and Joe's dad just pressure, pressure on him to succeed and do well. And we voted on all-stars at the time. Uh, now everybody's an all-star. Then we weren't all all-stars. And Joe did not make the all-star team. And he hadn't been voted on. And we knew, my dad knew, and my dad much wiser than I was, uh, I was only 12, said, because I had made the all-star team. And my dad said, Steve, I want you to know that you were one of the three picked for the all-stars, but I'm going to ask you for a favor. I said, what? He said, I'm going to put Joe in as an all-star instead of you. Is that okay? I said, yeah, sure, that's fine. I was mad. No, I, no, I don't, I don't remember. I don't remember. But uh, Joe never knew, you know. But there's a quality of life as opposed to a quantity of life. There's a quality instead of just a busyness. And in this year, the next year, what I'm concerned about more in my life, because I'm one of those ones that says, yeah, I'm busy, and we wear busyness like a badge, don't we? 
Look at all I'm doing. The question is how much of what you're doing really makes an eternal impact. And I want to live, I want to be more fruitful and not necessarily more busy. Does that make sense? So the cross is behind me. The, the kneeling bench is a floor with boards in front of it. And, but if the Lord's working on something in your heart, then please feel free to come down, kneel, pray. Uh, if you want to see God bear more fruit in your life, then again, come up. We'll pray with you after the service, during the service, right now, run up here, whatever you need. We're here for you. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, uh, we want everything that your word promises. We want to see your church be fruitful and not just busy. We want to understand the reality that when you say nothing, you mean nothing. That not a little bit or some or a few things. But apart from you, Lord, apart from your will, apart from our connection with you, that we can do nothing. And Lord, we want to do something. So Father, fill us, use us, in Jesus' name. All God's people said, Amen.